Way at the network one at Spawn. With attitude. He's edgy. He's in your face. You've heard the expression, let's get busy? Well, this is a Spawn. Who gets busy. Consistently and thoroughly. So he's proactive, huh? Oh, God, yes. We're talking about a totally outrageous paradigm. Marilyn Manson can walk into our town and promote hate, violence, suicide, death, drug use, and Columbine-like behavior. I can say... Oh, wow. Linking violence in movies to higher levels of aggression and violent behavior. Recognizing that many children love violent movies. So motherfuckers are always trying to escape. Take a look around! Dodge this. Welcome to Take a Look Around, the premier ethnographic lens through New Metal and Hollywood, presented by me, Shawnee. And as always, I'm joined by my faithful and capable co-host, Batesy. How are you, Batesy? Hello. I'm good, Sean. How are I'm you? I'm feeling like a freak on a leash, Batesy. I'm feeling like a freak on a leash. And why would that be, Sean? Because I'm doing the podcast with you, of course. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's cap it off. As normal, I would like to discuss... Upcoming new metal films for the year 2020 AD. Can I get a drum roll, please? Absolutely. Okay, there are no new metal films coming out. What? Let's try again next week, shall we? Yeah, next time. Yeah, I thought we'd really have it this time. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, So, Sean, do you want to tell us a little bit about today's movie, or tonight's movie, or this afternoon's movie. Well, before we do, I'd like to indulge myself and have the audience and yourself indulge me I, with a I little bit that. of context for this film first. Because I think this film this film works better with context. So, imagine, if you will, a seven-foot-tall, lanky, arrogant nerd with a bad 90s haircut and an obsession with American sports. No, not Morris. I'm talking about Todd McFarlane. And now for a brief history lesson. A self-taught whiz kid in illustration, McFarlane was at the forefront of American comic books in the late 80s. His bombastic and elastic style propelled his work on Spider-Man to the top of the charts and was a renaissance in both characterization and design for the title. McFarlane, with all the humility of Rick Ross, claims he was simply updating the character for the go-go 90s. It's the 90s! It's hammer time! Comic books were having a moment in the sun, and along with a crop of films like Tim Burton's Batman and a Wall Street speculation bubble were now selling in the millions of copies every issue. In 1992, McFarlane was instrumental in gathering together the top industry professionals, including Deadpool creator Rob Liefeld and future DC Comics editor-in-chief Jim Lee. Between the six of them, they were accounted for 46 of the top 50 highest-selling comic books of the year. McFarlane had them walk out on the job from Marvel and DC and form their own company, Image Comics. It was a massive industry brain drain on par with when Al left his job at the dick-sucking factory. <laughs> they never recovered. The Im- <laughs> no, you, you really doomed that industry, unfortunately. You were the best of the best. The Image Boys left Marvel and DC over what they saw was a lack of creative control. What they were really rebelling against was editorial control, and this became radically apparent in Image's titles, which would become synonymous with the style over substance and emphasis on the extreme that would come to dominate the 90s and culminate in New Metal's march into Hollywood. 
They were violent but amoral, horny but not sexy, stylized but crude, and unabashedly tooting their own horn. Sound like any particular musical genre that we happen to enjoy, Batesy? Uh, Yacht Rock? Yeah, definitely Yacht Rock. <laughs> now, McFarlane would cement his new metal street metal cred by directing the animated sequels for Korn's iconic Freak on a Leash film clip and providing the album artwork for their Follow the Leader album. But I did before not know this he did would. That. Yeah, didn't you? No. That's kind of. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal, to be honest. <laughs> but before this would come to be, he was best known for Image's flagship title, a CIA turned undead warrior for Satan known as Spawn. Are you sure you know the difference between good and evil? As you race around trying to put food on the table or pass your exams or make love? Are you confident? that you could distinguish the forces of light from the forces of evil. I'm Todd McFarlane, creator of Spawn. And to me, there's nothing, nothing out there in life that is all black or all white. Good always has a germ of evil inside it, and evil just a touch of good. Take Spawn, an assassin in life, hell's own soldier, and death. Not exactly Boy Scout material. But if you consider he made his choices for love, the love of his country and the love of his wife, well, you begin to see he's a little like you and me. Just another poor schmo walking on razor's edge. All hell pushing one way, and heaven pushing the other, and him stuck in the middle, trying not to get cut. Prepare for the dawn of the darkest night in history. From blood to blade, from flesh to steel, from man to spawn. pick a I see you. I say destroy the cosmos, ask questions later. You've been violated, girly man. Back off, hero. This summer, evil has a new enemy. Justice has a new weapon. And the world will discover Spawn. This film has not yet okay. been and rated. Batesy, kick us off with the movie plot, please, baby. So I'm going to just pull up the fucking movie synopsis. <laughs> so the plot synopsis is an elite mercenary is killed, but comes back from hell as a reluctant soldier of the devil. That's it? That's well, as far as we got for the synopsis. That's pretty much the, the long and short of this movie. <laughs> there's, there's an interesting like point right there in the synopsis, which is that he's a reluctant tool of the devil. Because often these films are about someone that makes a, a bargain with the devil to come back to life. But this guy just kind of like wakes up and it's like, oh... By the way, your best friend is fucking your wife and you're Satan now. <laughs> yeah, right? So yeah, this movie opens on uh, in terrorist hotspot Hong Kong, of all places, where we watch a ninja blow up a plane of, I want to say, Middle Eastern diplomats. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> and in that scene where he's blowing it up, did you notice that the stunt guy who's doing all the flips in the in the air control tower is a white dude no all of a sudden <laughs> yeah all of the close-ups of his hand well not close-up but you can see his hands and his eyes and he's just this white guy yeah who well 
it's revealed to be uh, Michael Jai White as Spawn, uh, who is famously uh, not a white dude, and is um, also famously not famous. He was um yeah, <laughs> he was best known at this point for playing Mike Tyson in a TV film for HBO. So when That's he so takes his mask off to reveal the big reveal that he is the main character, it's not really telegraphed very well. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, this movie, even before the Hong Kong scene, there's that whole, the first 10 seconds where they there's a voiceover that just does it a huge exposition dump about the armies of hell trying to storm the gates of heaven. Yeah, Do you remember it, that bit just at the very start? It looks cool. It looks like a twisted metal cutscene. And it also um, sets us up for, you know, a movie that we haven't even seen yet. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's almost the plot synopsis at the start. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so uh, right after that, uh, we'll call him Al Simmons from now on, which is the well, whitest big name <laughs> in the world. Um, he rocks up to what is apparently the CIA, which is led by uh, a pre-West Wing Martin Sheen, who's absolutely chewing the scenery off him. Oh, man, and his hair oh, dye. It's incredible. Uh, he really <laughs> does look like Charlie Sheen's dad in this, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, it becomes readily apparent. Yeah. Uh, so we can tell it's the CIA because Martin Sheen's director of the CIA has a, an ashtray filled with scorpions and a receptionist who is a, a leather-clad assassin named yeah. Jenny Priest. And for some reason, he has that poster of a nuclear explosion that's, like, on the age of quarrel <laughs> <laughs> cover art. <laughs> I also love that this is... This becomes more and more apparent as the film goes on that the CIA appears to be made up of four people. Oh, yeah. Martin Sheen, <laughs> his receptionist, Al Simmons, who dies. <laughs> and then Al Simmons' friend, Terry. Yeah. Who makes up the rest of the CIA. So, uh, to quickly digress, in the comic books, Terry is also an African-American character. Um, and I read an interview with the director on why they recast him as a white guy because they quote unquote didn't want people to think it was a race movie. Oof. So, <laughs> which <laughs> it's like some old school uh, 40s racism. There. Well, it's, it's funny you bring that up because while researching the film, I found uh, an interview with Todd McFarlane 25 years after the fact, after creating Spawn where he's asked uh, about his decision to make Spawn an African-American character. And uh, I'll, I'll let you guys make your decision about his answer, but I would call it... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what color do you think I am underneath this, underneath this mask? And just for a moment go, why has nobody ever asked the question? I mean, you know, the stories were always... Peter Parker, not Peter Parker, but Spider-Man, the villain, Jane Jonah Jameson made him the bad guy in the news. But nobody asked, what's his nationality, right? Is he a terrorist? Is he a Muslim? Is he, I mean, nobody asked about anything. We just assumed he was just that traditional, standard, white, good-looking dude that was there. So at that point, I, I, I had the idea, I go, could I actually create a character that is a minority? But the first thing I do, essentially, in issue one, which I do, 
and I, is I rip off the skin. I get rid of the thing that basically makes them different, which is the pigmentation on the skin. We'll rip it across. So effectively, off. Martin Sheen's character, who we will refer to as Jason Wynn from now on, uh, murders, um, murders Al at the request of a shadowy, flatulent <laughs> figure. <laughs> you are the dead man. Oh, well, well. <laughs> Al is then resurrected in a, a cutscene that looks like it's something out of a Mortal Kombat Extinction or something like that. It's crazy because it's half the team who did the Jurassic Park special effects three years before, and then the other half is, are just people from ILM who were, you know, Lucas, George Lucas's uh, stable of special effects artists, and it just is such a piss poor like it all looks so horrible <laughs> but you can you can tell which parts are done by the jurassic park guys but they obviously would have done violator the the bad guy in the the ending sequence but then the sequences in hell are just embarrassingly bad yeah it's insane it's just ugly to look at like it's just man we gotta play like a clip of of spawn's bargain in hell because it's just insane just the uh the devil saying this is the bargain if you need my army you can see wanda again what is your answer yes yes i will need your army anything for wanda if you fail me, you will die. He's <laughs> <laughs> already dead, man. <laughs> so Al Simmons is resurrected and finds himself in uh, some kind of homeless shanty town. Yeah, Rat on City. The bad, yeah, the bad part of the tracks. And he, this film takes an interesting choice of uh, spending most of the film following Al Simmons without his iconic mask on, where he is covered in grotesque, hideous burns to the point where his ears have actually been burned off his face and are just holes on the side of his head. And yeah, it's, so it's gross. not pretty to look at. So <laughs> It'd probably be interesting if they had an interesting actor behind it. But they've just got Michael Jai White, who's just a kickboxer. Yeah. <laughs> He's not doing the best job. He struggles to get any sentence out. It's hilarious. So Al comes to meet our main antagonist and supporting actor for the film, played by the top-billed cast yeah, member, so John Leguizamo. I'm going to say Leguizamo. John I, I don't know. I As a clown. And his character is clown. <laughs> uh, who John Leguizamo is maybe six foot two. Clown is about four foot. And uh, in a modern film, they would have just CGI'd that. But in this film, they just put him in a fat suit and made him crouch. Oh, man, it's nuts. For the whole film. And he is... Uh, I swear to fucking God, probably the worst character ever put to film i wanted to claw my fucking eyes out every time he turned up the insane thing is i feel like he's the only person doing a passable performance like no one else is putting any effort into 
anything. The old guy who spawns mentor is like one of Samuel Beckett's cronies and has like legitimate British bona fide acting skills and was kind of considered the British Marlon Brando. And he's doing jack shit in this film. But John Leguizamo is the only person who you could say is attempting to act at all. And it's so annoying. <laughs> it's, he's he is shit. swinging for the fences, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. There's the scene where he eats a maggoty pizza. And he eats a pizza that is legitimately covered in maggots. Like, he's committed to this role so much. It's... And some of it just... It, he makes... a like a family guy level of jokes like family guy played at double speed oh, it's, it's and none of it lands <laughs> yeah. he doesn't wait for a punchline none of the jokes work at all uh, uh, there's a sequence where he like makes a reference to a really obscure james stewart film and then does probably the worst james stewart impression on the planet she had killed me when he had the chance that's it that's the spirit just think of me as your guardian angel, the clown from hell. You're Jimmy Stewart, and I'm Clarence. Well, 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 well. every time uh, somebody farts, a uh, uh, demon catches a wings, uh, well, uh, yeah, like, oh, oops, twins. <laughs> Get away from me, you, you bunch-packing midget. <laughs> oh, man, it's bonkers. He also, like, after demonstrating to Al how his... His whole life is shattered beyond belief and he can never go back to his life and that he is sworn now to be an agent of Satan from here on to eternity. He then pulls out his underwear, farts twice and shows Al skid marks. What does it remind you of, huh? Ah, no, no, boy. Skid mark. Oh, uh, one of my notes is legitimately get the skid mark drop. <laughs> I just. Oh. There's that whole scene where he's for some reason the ch- the entertainer at his his wife and his best friend's daughter's birthday party, and it's just his teeth are rot. Like I don't know where would you. This is. This movie's not very good, Sean. (laughs) Yeah, it's not very good at all. There's a great sequence in a graveyard where Clown shows Spawn his grave because he's been dead for five years and it looks and plays exactly like the bit in Beavis and Butthead Take America where Beavis sees his grave and buys him he never scored. (laughs) So lo and behold, uh, turns out the leader of the CIA is a bad guy. Who'd have thunk it? Oh my god. (laughs) The guy with the ashtray full of scorpions is a bad guy. But he's not set to just, um, you know, disrupt the Middle East... uh, and overthrow governments and introduce crack cocaine to ghettos in 1980s America. No, he wants to unleash uh, unleash a, a mega virus upon the world known as Heat 19, and then take his take his side alongside Satan in eternity after unleashing the apocalypse. You know that's a <laughs> that's a pretty uh pretty 90s stuff to be honest. Just the uh, most thin plot ever. Yeah. There's a, a great sequence where, um, because there's only four people in the CIA, Terry Fitzgerald, um, the other supporting role, 
He's mad. Finds the disc that says special ops. <laughs> is that, yeah. yeah, a little burnt CD <laughs> on the director's desk that just says special oh, That's ops. where I put it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a big plot point there. So while this is all happening, Spawn is uh, learning a bit about yeah. his costume, I want to say, where it's it's just an excuse to do some cool special effects stuff. But it doesn't look he, cool. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't look cool at all. He um he has to, I think his plan is he has to take revenge on Ma- Martin Sheen's character, whereas Martin Sheen has to take revenge on him. The film just descends into nothingness, to be honest. And then Clown turns into a giant, a giant scorpion, which looks pretty cool. The Violator character is a very cool addition to the the film. And then everything just kind of. Uh, uh, swells away <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it all just ends um they the one of the worst things about this movie is they very early on establish that spawn just cannot be shot like he if he does get shot he heals straight away and he heals from every injury which removes any of the stakes from the film it, there's just one part where he's like escaping from that fancy dinner party and it's just very clear that this film is just a venom movie yeah well todd mcfarlane is most famous in marvel comics for actually inventing venom and so when uh spawn's character kind of was created it was kind of a cross between venom and batman with some high school death metal noodling on a a textbook for like to fill in the backstory (laughs) Heaps of sweet pentagrams and Slayer uh, tags on the fucking front of your maths homework. So, because this film is not good and there is little to no plot, let's talk about the production of the film itself. Now, Todd McFarlane's whole thing in creating Image Comics was he had a chip on his shoulder about authority and he felt that he was making the money for these big Hollywood bigwigs and... So rather than taking on this kind of punk rock, do-it-yourself attitude, the attitude of Todd McFarlane and Image Comics was that not only can I do it myself, but I can do it better. So while Spawn was an incredibly high-selling comic book in the early 90s, it was part of a speculator bubble that meant that everything was selling like hotcakes. Anything Todd McFarlane did would have sold like hotcakes. And the lesson that Todd learned from this was that it was what he created would be the thing that would sell. So he famously turned down larger movie deals for Spawn to take a deal with New Line Cinema that meant that he would have almost complete creative control over the film as a first-time executive producer. Oh, cool. He then, <laughs> yeah, he, he then brought in a, uh, a bunch of the what would have been... Nobodies. Yeah, would have been pretty good special effects guys, one of which uh, also doubled with writing the script, producing oh, the film, and directing the film. And uh, they, they figured that just the idea of Spawn and the creative property they had would sell the film. It reminds me of that bit in Futurama where uh, Fry says, it took an hour to write, I thought it would take an hour to read. <laughs> <laughs> 
in regards to the production, the the guy who directed this film, this was his first first film, and he had about a ten year break in between films where he just went straight to television and straight to DVD films. The director Mark Z Deep uh, is well known for directing four Garfield director DVD films, as well as Michael Jackson's Halloween in two thousand seventeen. What? That's a, yeah. Was he directed Michael Jackson dead by that point? Oh yeah, he was heaps dead. He was like a worm food for about eight or nine years at this point. And this postdates all the pedophile stuff as well. Yeah, exactly. But it was a one-hour animated television special that premiered on CBS and it starred Lucy Liu, Brad Garrett. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the big names. We we can't fault Mark for, you know, his work. He he definitely swung for the fences with this and his artistry is is on display in those Garfield films. As a Garfield scholar myself, I'm well-versed in... uh, Dipology, as he likes to call his creative <laughs> process. I spent a good maybe one and a half hours trying to find the audio commentary for this film that he provides on the DVD. Because apparently all he does is go, that was a bad decision. <laughs> apparently the first thing he says is, hi, yeah, you can blame me for this. This is my bad. Like, I think he, I think this uh, kind of really... Um, scarred him working in the major studio kind of spaces and i don't think he really recovered after yeah so th- this film like you mentioned the sequence where they escaped from the dinner party earlier which is probably the only time in this film where everything kinds of kind of comes together it's what they're trying to do it's people back yeah. flipping with firing off machine guns it's a big swirling animated cape and using superpowers being chased by the cops it, it feels like a, a film we'd see a few years later with Blade and the early Spider-Man and Daredevil films, which uh, predate, you know, the Marvel house style, but were early examples of, you know, s- superhero films inspired by this era of new metal cinema. And it, it, it does come together in that brief six-minute sequence. And it, it feels like if they just had some people involved that knew what they were doing with this film and maybe made it a few years later. Yeah. It, it could have actually been a genuinely good movie. Yeah, for sure. It's a lot of wasted potential. Um, I, as a kid, I absolutely loved the Spawn comic books. Um, once again, I mentioning my square upbringing, uh, I had them taken away from my very devout Catholic parents who were just mortified that I was reading some satanic kind of comic book. And I remember going to my friend's house at about 12 years old to watch this movie on DVD and just being so... You know when you're a kid and you don't really know what kind of films are bad, but you just are starting to figure it out? This... I remember just being so disappointed watching this. That for me was the tuxedo starring Jackie Chan, where I was like, <laughs> oh, you, you're telling me that movies can be bad? Oh, no. <laughs> Since basically the moment that the film flopped, McFarlane has been attempting to reboot the film. He's had various different adaptations in the works for a while, since 1998. Uh, back wow. in 2009, he's quoted as saying, 
the tone of the new Spawn movie will be more for an older audience, like the film <laughs> The Departed. Oh, cool. <laughs> and after... Well, Scorsese's Spawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a Martin, there were a few... What was it? Two years ago, Martin Scorsese's Joker was on the cards. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Joker, since 2018, Blumhouse, uh, the team behind The Purge and Get Out... Have a, Invisible Man. Yeah, uh, they've had a, a Spawn movie on the cards that was supposed to star Jamie Foxx and Jeremy Renner. That, oh, great. That has kind of um, fizzled out a bit, but McFarlane is claiming that every, every executive in Hollywood is banging on the door after the success of oh, Joker no to get a Spawn <laughs> film. And, like, I just call total bullshit on that. Because oh, of course. A Spawn film in 2020 is like how they made an Angry Birds film in 2015. Like, who is this for? <laughs> Nobody wants this. Kids love one thing and one thing only, Spawn. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh let's touch on the film soundtrack because this is a in many respects a proto new metal film. It's 1997. It predates Follow the Leader Corn. Um yeah, it, it predates a lot of the tropes that we'll see in new metal films. And as a result, the the soundtrack as well is a very early example where they'd probably still be calling it rap rock or um electronica or yeah, that kind of thing. Uh soundtrack itself is pretty unlistenable <laughs> i really um we we were talking off air about there's a metallica remix by dj spooky which is one of the worst fuck it's like a drum and bass remix of for whom the bell tolls it is uh it's genuinely like for someone that spent quite a portion of their 20s listening to creating and making the most annoying music possible <laughs> this was flip the table levels of annoying it was i, I we're going to play it at the end of this episode yeah. but you can see but um uh a lot of the film is centered around uh long hard road out of hell it becomes a music cue within the film that's that's a pretty yeah good the marilyn manson yeah, that song rocks and over the credits they play uh, the Crystal Method and Filter with a song called Can't You Trip Like I Do, which sounds like Exterminator era Primal Scream. It's a genuinely good track, and it's uh, listing on the actual soundtracks. Track listing is it's number the first one. song, right? Uh, yeah. Followed by Marilyn Manson. So everything just kind of <laughs> you know, trickles <laughs> off after those two good tracks. But- I remember Butthole Surfers and Moby because I remember seeing the soundtrack as like a little kid and just seeing the band Butthole Surfers. <laughs> just, what? What? <laughs> yeah, God. <laughs> um, and yeah, Eight Oh Eight State, Silverchair, Henry Rollins, and Goldie. It's it's a it's a bizarre soundtrack, man. There's a great quote from uh, the Prodigy's Liam Howlett about their collaboration with Rage Against the Machine for One Man Army. Uh, I did it in three days when I usually need a week. It was a bit rushed. <laughs> I guess in closing, uh, I need to assign this film a six degrees of dust number. Uh, this. Well, I can officially report after doing my calculations. Oh, yeah? What'd you get? Wait, no. Let me just do my calculations again, Sean. 
spawn has a Durst number of two. This is because there was a Marilyn Manson song on the soundtrack. At one period of Marilyn Manson's live band, Wes Borland was a guitarist. Oh, no way! Wes Borland is famously the guitar player for Limp Bizkit, which is the band that Fred Durst, visionary, director, greatest rapper of all time, is the front man of. I feel like I learned so much when I talk to you, Al. I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this film officially has a Durst rating of two. All right, Al, we've got a Durst rating. We've got some threadbare plot description and somewhat less threadbare <laughs> description of the production. But baby boy, I need a review from you. What are you going to give it? Um, I kind of... I'm, I'm going to say this movie is kind of like a big pile of necro goo that comes out of spawns oozing wounds it's kind of gross kind of stupid kind of yucky uh and stinky mostly just stinky <laughs> stinky and necrotic um i would not, i would probably say it'll be too soon if i ever have to watch this movie again, <laughs> my whole entire life the whole time i was watching this i watched it at like 1.75 speed <laughs> this movie goes for 90 minutes and at 1.75 speed it still went for way too long the whole time <laughs> i was cursing your name sean i'm so <laughs> what about you sean what are your what's your takeaway from this fantastic this film, film is the wet fart coming out of john leguizamo's asshole <laughs> this movie sucks yeah that's pretty apt <laughs> yeah it's got it do, just briefly do you, do you realize how like the last half of this film it's just spawn is satanic green lantern and can just conjure up whatever he wants now that's a movie i want to see <laughs> yeah <laughs> i um i worked yeah. in a cinema when green lantern came out back in 2011 and so I would piece together the film through checking on the crowd and coming in at the start and the end to pick up garbage. And that film played out of context, if there is any context, was like, wow, they should just end superhero films. Um, man, Green Lantern. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever get to that movie, but I remember uh, on a flight to Japan, the only movies on the plane were Tree of Life or Green Lantern, and I opted to watch Green Lantern twice over Tree of Life. <laughs> Literally, the movie ended, and I was like, oh, that sucked. Anyway, I'm going to watch it again from the top. <laughs> oh, man. Um, man, so uh, I guess this is kind of where we're going to wrap up the show. Sean, is there anywhere that people can follow us on the internet? What the fuck? Or is social the media, as people call it now. There is. We have established uh, a presence on social media, as it were. We are Take a Look Pod on Twitter, Take a Look Around on Instagram, and you can also find us for Take a Look Around podcast on Facebook. Now, we are trying to bring the masses the content they crave, but for some reason, we keep getting banned on Instagram. The, the man trying to bring us down. Yeah, I just don't want us adding people. Alrighty. And in the meantime, please enjoy this horrible, horrible drum and bass version of a Metallica song. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Mwah.